This is Pave It Black. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Pave It Black, the official podcast of the National Asphalt Pavement Association. My name is Richard Willis. And I'm Brett Williams. When you look at asphalt production and construction, there are a lot of moving pieces and parts that people must manage and make work together. One of the major operations is the asphalt plant. Whether you're handling trucking, the office, or paving, the plant really is the focus, and those who run the plant are having a lot asked of them on an everyday basis. So one of the questions I have for today really is, how can our everyday processes at the asphalt plant facility be made more efficient? Or are there technologies or softwares available really to help companies communicate what's happening better throughout their operations? So to talk to us a little bit about this today, we've invited Ben Adamiets from the Rogers Group. Welcome to the podcast, Ben. Thanks, Richard. I really appreciate being here. Uh, And thanks to you uh, as well, Brett. So before we get started talking about plants and operations, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do with the Rogers Group? Yeah, so I'm, I'm Ben Adamiets. I've been with Rogers Group just a little over eight years. Um, we're a vertically integrated uh, company in the asphalt, stone, and construction industry. And I guess one of the biggest caveats of all that is that we're, we're privately owned. We're one of the biggest that's still uh, family owned, and we're, we're pretty proud of that. Our headquarters is in Nashville, Tennessee. And we span right now, I believe it's nine states. We definitely want to uh, eventually get into 10 and 11 and 12 and just grow as well as a company. Uh, that's one of our core values is market growth. With market growth being one of those, we actually have five core values, employees, customers, operational excellence, market growth, and then communities. At Rogers Group, there really is a genuine belief uh, and execution for improving the communities around them. At the essence, you could wrap it all up and say that the three things, people, integrity, and excellence, those are the things that, that Rogers Group's really about. And by, by no means have we arrived uh, or are we perfect. Uh, no one really is, but that's our vision. That's our goals and the focus that we have. But jumping back to my experience within the company, I started in quality control and uh, eventually moved into uh, estimating and did more or less a dual role with that. And then in 2014, uh, I kind of put my pause uh, or my, my career on pause and actually joined the United States Marine Corps. I chose to do the reserves side so I could eventually come back and pursue my career with Rogers Group. So after about 10 or 11 months of uh, active duty, doing my initial training, things like that, I, I returned back uh, in mid-2015, came back to the quality control side, testing uh, hot mix, asphalt, aggregates, and uh, just really, uh, again, fell in love with that side of the business. I had an opportunity to move out of the quality control side and move into the uh, sales side of our business, selling um, aggregates. I moved into the uh, dual rolling with the estimating and the sales My main function on the estimating side is bidding DOT highway work, basin pave, resurface projects, and um, also focusing on growing our, the commercial side of the work, the uh, subdivisions and private work and things like that. And for North Alabama, which is what I represent, we have four quarries and two asphalt plants, as well as the construction element. So Ben, I was hoping maybe we could start off the conversation and just kind of take a high level look at 
how Rogers Group approaches projects. I know um, in some of the previous discussions, we talked about the cradle to grave approach and just hoping that maybe you could share a little bit on a higher level about how you guys approach construction projects. Absolutely. When you kind of look at the 30,000 foot view of an organizational structure, you really have kind of three different levels. You've got more of the strategic or theater level, which would be like the corporate level of a company. Uh, You've got the operational level or the more regional and divisional level um, localized. And then you've got the tactical level, the actual boots on the ground. Each person has that line of sight for what they see and what they do and, and the communication and getting things done. So when you're talking about the tactical level where the work's actually being done, you've got the boots on the ground, you break that down into the individual job and kind of refer to that as the project life cycle of that job. So in the bidding process, that's a lot of where I focus my time on is generating revenue, bidding, actually bidding the job. But at some point in time, there's got to be this project handoff where the information that was bid goes through a filter or a clearinghouse during the budgeting process. And that becomes the bridge uh, that brings us to where the boots on the ground are there. So that's kind of going from macro to micro, getting down to the actual job of what we're doing and how we get there. And then how do we know how to build this job and do our our work correctly and do it as fast and safely as we can? So if, if you're sitting there talking about the different parts of an organization, you're talking about the different phases of a project, communication has got to be critical, either whether it's up and down an organization or throughout the breadth of a project. So what are some of the things that Rogers Group has either implemented or kind of developed this policy to help improve communication flow during a project or in between the different people and groups involved? Yeah, that's right, Richard. So there's a lot of moving pieces and a lot of things that have to go on. When you kind of break that down, it's uh, to to the essence, it's shooting, moving, and communicating. That would be uh, more or less like a military way of looking at that. I remember hearing a sergeant instructor uh, give this uh, word to my class uh, for the MOS that I was in, and it basically asked the question, what do I know, who needs to know, and how do I tell them? You also have to ask, why do we choose certain softwares? What's the ROI? What does it cost? And then what do we gain back out of that? So um, I think, uh, Richard, when you and I talked yesterday, you had mentioned uh, about Stonemont. That was one thing uh, in, in this whole season three, you're talking about many different technologies. Um, and so we do have uh, many different technology, technologies that we use at Rogers Group. Stonemont is one of them for those. We have a bidding and estimating software as well. And then today, what we can kind of talk a little bit about uh, uh, circling back to the asphalt plant side and how center how how much of a centerpiece that is in what we do uh, right now in in North Alabama, uh, we've been trying out and using the uh, plant demand software. So I do want to just make that clear that this is not a Rogers Group corporate wide in all states software that we're using. We're still um, just using this locally in North Alabama, but there's so many different pieces that are moving. And uh, at the end of the day, there has to be some type of clearinghouse and an and ability to get the right information to the right people. Maybe before we jump real deep into the details, I was just kind of wondering if you could share maybe a little bit about some of the easier places where um, we can have communication breakdowns and then what that can mean for our operations, whether it be a business impact or a impact on our projects and just 
talk about when we aren't communicating or we have a breakdown in communication, what, what, those, what those things can lead to. One thing that we always have to stay on our game about is the DOT side, the specification book, you know, uh, they always want to bring out the, the technical asphalt Bible, the, the spec book and everything, and everything has a, a pay item associated with it. So when we do a lot of this work, there's a spec, a, sp a special way that we have to do things. Uh, the, the materials that make up our asphalt has to be a certain type of mix. When we start talking about doing the work and, and, and getting, uh, paid for it, not having any penalties and things like that. We, we have to always make sure that we know, are we using the right stone? Are we using the right product? Are we doing uh, all of those things? Because if we don't, they can turn back to be several thousand dollars for rework. And it goes back to the, uh, the Tim Wood or the seven, the seven wastes, you know, uh, no defects, rework, uh, things like that. Um, no loss of motion. And we, we want to stay as six Sigma and as lean, um, manufacturing as we can, even if it's not the cost of money of doing something from a material standpoint or, or what have you, if you just lost time, then that's a loss. And, and that's, that's ultimately what we're trying to streamline to make sure that we don't, uh, and from an aggregate material supply, uh, one of those would be overproducing. We can overproduce a certain product. We don't want to do that. Even if you're doing everything right, but you're you feel like you, you're focused on all the right things, but then you make 50% more of something that you didn't need, then that's money tied up in a stockpile that you may not have needed to crush at that time. Let's kind of circle back to the plant. As a plant manager, what are some of the biggest needs that a plant manager may have, which technology companies have not developed yet? What would help your company the most in communicating um, what's happening at the plant to other members of the project team or even to your customer or your central office? We want to make sure that we've got enough material at the plant ready for the loader to, to load in and charge the bins, especially if your asphalt plant is in a quarry that's not your own. Having two different tanks, uh, one for polymer liquid, one for non, or one for uh, maybe has anti-strip or uh, what have you, all of those things come together. There's so many decisions that an asphalt plant manager has to make. And if they don't see in advance a few days or at least a week out, then there's things that they're not going to do to get ready for a big high production day. And so understanding what they're going to do and how much materials that they need to have on site to execute that is a really big, a really big aspect. So when, when we first started uh, in North Alabama using the plant demand software, I actually found it out actually through looking at LinkedIn and uh, got in touch with Daniel, one of the, um, the owners and, and, and creators of the software. And, and was just kind of explaining to them some of the things that I felt like I was not doing correctly as taking ownership of the bidding process and passing that information to the asphalt plant so that they could. In, in my mind, when you, when you look at the process and you've got issues, you, you start first having to take ownership that what part of this issue do I have? in it. What, what have I done wrong? When you think about when you bid these jobs and you set them all up and all that, six months goes by before you actually go do the job. Because maybe you bid the job in October and then you're going to come out on it in the season in March or what have you. There's so much lost 
lost information. So housing that information, and, and, and that's what really for us in North Alabama, for me to send out to uh, the plant managers and, um, and, and, and have that information ready was plant demand answered that. So we could get ahead of how much uh, slag do we need? Uh, how much limestone 89s? How much sand do we need? Let's not forget, do you have one, two, three, four silos? Because if you're going to run three different mixes and then you've got a private customer coming in, it's, it's hard to manage all that on a napkin or a whiteboard. It's not updated. A lot of times, if you really go and talk to any asphalt plant manager or any asphalt company, when they ask you or when you ask them to break down the material needs because, maybe, because they are vertically integrated where the quarry is crushing rock, to feed that plant and the plant is making mix to feed the construction side. At the end of the day, there's always this grand Excel sheet that's on a server that one person updates. And if he's in it, then I can't be. There again, uh, eventually you've got things like Google Docs and other smart documents where you can come in and multiple people can be in at the same time. But at the end of the day, to be able to, to have a complete dashboard where everything is housed, it becomes a real vital part of the communication. So the, the plant demand software, is it something that's tied into other systems within the company or is plant demand actually what's communicating to like the office or can you talk about like that process? Like, does it tie into some of the office applications and some of those different areas of the business? Yeah. So so first of all, to visualize plant demand and what it is, you, you would just need to think of, of it like a Outlook calendar. The plant demand system f- starts out entering the data in at the most micro level. You set up a individual aggregate, like number 89s and number 78s, and you literally build, you take those individual resources and you build your mix designs. What I do is when I bid a job, I take the job list of the pay items and the associated uh, quantities. And then I email this to the QC and the asphalt plant team. And the QC, the the quality control uh, technician that's going to be over that job, he takes all that data and enters that into plant demand himself. This allows quality control to vet everything that's going to the plant first before we even start the job. So, and and then I also give them more or less the production rates for each of those pay items and they throw it on the calendar. You literally visualize the job and the production of that on a calendar. And so from the smallest input up to the job level, you then uh, see that. So you can hover your mouse, uh, your cursor, over the day and you could then drop down and you could literally see all of the materials uh, is gonna be needed for that day. One of the biggest issues that a construction company like uh, we have that we do these big jobs that don't start for six months, in six months or, or even three months, heck two months, a month, you're not gonna remember all the things you need to know about that one job after six months happens. It also is an engagement tool. That's that's the other side of that. If, if you feel like you can be now um, engaged in the process instead of just waiting for information. 
Now we know that most of the time from a construction scheduling standpoint, if you're trying to schedule something beyond two weeks out, you can probably throw it in the garbage because uh, something's going to happen on the job, weather's going to happen or, or, or something, or maybe another hot job pops up. It's very difficult to have a accurate schedule beyond two weeks and definitely beyond a month, but you can at least throw it on the board and then move it around. The other side of that is being dual role with, uh, with sales and things like that. That was the, that was the issue I was having. I'm doing two different jobs. I'm selling and I'm doing this. And so I would bid a job. I would budget it, you know, send it in for the budget. And then I'd forget about it because the next thing on my mind is go get another job. You can keep up with a few things uh, in your head, a couple plants that, you know, it's like, okay, you got one plant running this week. Well, you know, I, I don't really have a pr- too much of a problem with running one plant this week, but if you've got five plants going and, and you're trying to keep up with all this stuff, it's just so disorganized if you try to do it any other way without having a real process in place. I can definitely see some potential advantages to using some of these newer technologies. I just was hoping maybe you could share a little bit about the approach that Rogers Group takes when you're implementing some of these technologies. Maybe I, I know you said that this technology, for instance, is just being used like in the northern Alabama region. So is that common where you pilot some of these um, solutions in a few locations just to make sure it's working or? Yes, Brett. So the, in fact, probably about a month ago, all the construction managers uh, and estimators and uh, the people on the construction element side, we get together um, at least once a year where everybody can be heard out. Rogers Group is definitely open to trying new technologies. Uh, obviously, you see a lot more younger people coming on board, and they're really wanting to push a lot of different technologies. And then there's always people that want to resist certain things, but the company's never never stifled that. But that's there, it's a very open dialogue. Uh, like I said, that's the great thing about working for a family-owned business. Ben, we, we really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. You, you brought some insight and a little different approach than what we, what we typically have on the podcast. Um, so best of luck with everything you're doing and the implementation and use of plant demand in your company and your area. Um, we wish you the best. Thank you, Richard. I appreciate it. Thank you, Brett. Yeah, thank you, Ben. So what's your takeaway? The plant manager has a lot going on, whether it's what, he, what he's making that day, who's going to be there, how many, how many trucks at a time, what aggregate inventories need to be at the plant to really produce all of this. There's just, there's a lot of moving parts. And I think having tools to help plan, communicate, and track all of that information is, is a useful and helpful tool. I think one of the things that really stuck with me was that when you're, when you're thinking about planning and the exactness that you have to have in order to operate your plan at the optimum standpoint, whether that's having materials there, knowing you're going to be working at your, the production rates that you should be, time is an enemy. But from the time you bid and estimate a job, it could be six months, a year before you construct. And the challenge of making sure that those records from the bid are accurately communicated to the plant in a timely manner, um, in an accurate manner, I see an opportunity 
for shoring up that process through softwares like this. We just want to thank everyone again for being here with us today. My name is Richard Willis. And I'm Brett Williams. And we just want you to remember, as you're driving around America's highways, someone from our industry paved it black. Pave It Black is produced by Monica Dutcher of the National Asphalt Pavement Association with podcasting music credits to Colleek. You can find Pave It Black on most of your favorite platforms, including SoundCloud and iTunes. If you would like to suggest someone for us to interview, please email Richard Willis at rwillis at asphaltpavement.org. That's R-W-I-L-L-I-S at asphaltpavement.org. Until next time, Keep paving it black.